Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's time for cookies and crime. Hey everyone, it's Karen T and welcome back to another episode of Cookies and Crime. You guys have no idea how excited I am that it is spooky season now. I mean, spooky season for those who really love Halloween and spooky season starts October 1st for most regular people. But I have a lot of cool projects coming up for Halloween. So I'm super excited to share that with you guys and get started on it. So in this episode, I'm covering the case of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. I find this case super interesting, and if you've heard of this case before, it is not the reason why a lot of people would think I would like this case. Not to really spoil it, but the murder in this case takes place in New Orleans on top of a voodoo shop. So just from that information, you can tell what kind of stories, what kind of conspiracies have come from this case, but I find it really interesting because of the people in the situation. But before we get into that, let's eat a cookie. So today's cookie I'm super excited about. It's another last crumb cookie. This one is called The Floor is Lava. It's a molten chocolate cookie, molten chocolate cake cookie. Same thing, same diff. And I feel like what is a molten chocolate cake or cookie without vanilla ice cream? So there used to be a dollop of vanilla ice cream on top. It has now melted because I let it sit here. So I'm gonna bite into it super quick. It smells delightful. Mm. Oh yeah. Honestly, it should be illegal to not have vanilla ice cream on a molten chocolate cake or cookie because they go so well together. This cookie right now is a 10 out of 10. It is so good, the chocolate is so good, but the cream from the vanilla ice cream really does cut the sweetness. I just dug into it like I've never had the taste of chocolate ever in my life before. That one is so, so good. All right, let's get into this episode's case. This is the case of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. On October 17, 2006, around 8.30 p.m., New Orleans police received a disturbing call from the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel. A man's body was found on the roof of the parking garage. His body was severely mangled, and it was clear he had jumped off and died on impact. Unsure if they had a murder, suicide, or tragic accident on their hands, the investigators began by searching the body for ID. In the man's back pocket, they found a note. It read, this is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. If you send a patrol to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend Addie in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, along with full documentation on the both of us and a full signed confession from myself, Zach Bowen. Police rushed to the address, a small apartment above the Voodoo Spiritual Temple. They had some expectation of what to find inside, but when they arrived, it was a scene out of a horror movie. 28-year-old Zach Bowen and Addie Hall had met when they were both bartenders in the French Quarter. Zach, tall and good-looking, was known as somewhat of a charmer, 
He had plenty of friends and was social. When he was 18, he met a 28-year-old stripper named Lana Shuck. They got married and had two children together. Zach joined the military to support his family. He had served as a military police officer in Iraq. Addie was a free-spirited artistic type who wrote poetry, taught dance classes, and was a bartender. Zach and Addie met working at the same bar. At first, Addie seemed to dislike Zach. Friends say she was downright rude to him when he started the job, but they eventually started dating. They fell in love during Hurricane Katrina when Addie let Zach stay with her to ride out the storm. Zach even told his mother he met the love of his life and that Addie reminded him of her. Addie had nowhere to evacuate to. She had no car and to her, going home to any parent or relative would be a far worse option than riding out a category five hurricane. Zach was going to evacuate and stay with his kids, but he had a change of heart. He went to tell Addie goodbye before he left, but he didn't want to leave her, so he stayed. They were two of very few people who didn't evacuate. Strangely, the two seemed in their element during the weeks after the hurricane, without electricity, trading drinks for food, and no jobs or bills to worry about. It was more like an extended camping trip than a disaster. Hall became known for flashing her breasts at police, and the two bartenders would serve drinks to other victims. Their unconventional way of finding love and positive outlook after Katrina attracted the media, and the couple were even featured in the New York Times. But as the town began to rebuild itself and life returned to normal, the once wild and free couple's relationship started to strain. Since they were no longer in this survival mode, Regular life began bringing out each person's issues. They argued constantly and complained about each other to friends. Addie, according to her friends, had been molested when she was young and like many abuse victims, went on to have a string of abusive relationships as an adult. When she came to New Orleans, it's as if she was running away from something. Addie was also bipolar and it's likely she suffered from PTSD from being molested. She was known to be a heavy drinker and some said she would be a mean drunk. Like when men stared at her for too long or tried to proposition her, she'd get really angry. Even in her own relationship, she would verbally abuse Zach when she had been drinking. So to me, her being mean doesn't seem like she's naturally mean-spirited or she wants to hurt people or that she's overacting when men try to talk to her or look at her. Those are obvious signs of her PTSD from being molested as a child. And as a woman, I don't blame her for that whatsoever because she went through such a traumatic experience. I mean, there's not much said as to what specifically happened to her, but you can tell that it had really affected her. And even statistically, 49% of rape victims will have PTSD. And obviously, I don't condone domestic violence and how she's treating Zach, but you can tell that she is angry with what happened to her and that she is protecting herself in some way. Zach had his issues too. One experience really messed him up while in the military. A little girl he had befriended in Iraq was killed, along with her whole family when her family's shop was bombed. Like so many who served in those wars, he returned home depressed and suffering from PTSD. Not long after his return, he and his wife separated. So just from hearing a little bit of both of their backgrounds, you can tell that they are both 
dealing with a lot on an individual level. And bringing two of them together is going to be a hot mess. But I'm sure this is also why they worked out so well in the beginning and fell in love and had this passionate love because both of them are in some way or form survivors of traumatic experiences. And I feel like the bond you have with other people who've been through a lot, like you just feel like no one else understands you. And this person who has also been through something traumatic is the only person who can understand you and really knows how you feel on the inside. But at the same time, it's not like they're openly sharing their feelings all the time. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're healing from being with someone who understands them because they still have to work on themselves. Like it's a great feeling to be understood, but with both of their situations and how serious both of their traumas were, not seeking help in the long term is really going to affect the both of them individually and as a couple. Despite earning a NATO medal and the presidential unit citation for his service, plus his commanding officer's recommendation that he receive an honorable discharge, he was released with only a general discharge. That meant that while he qualified for veteran benefits, which included disability compensation, healthcare, etc., he couldn't get GI Bill education benefits, which help you pay for college and training programs. This left Zach very bitter. And as the town was coming alive again, and government and military forces with their tanks and trucks roamed the streets, it brought back horrible memories for Zach. Oftentimes, he would wake up in the middle of the night screaming, and no one, not even Addie, could console him. After Katrina, to cope with the changes and being thrown back into society, where they needed to work and money made the world go around again, they went to their vices. The two became heavy drinkers and at some point started doing cocaine on the regular. Their relationship deteriorated to the point that they were arguing constantly and Zach's friends said that he often complained about Addie. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. 
I want to go back to the fact that these two thrived during Hurricane Katrina because obviously Katrina was one of the most devastating hurricanes that the South has seen. A lot of people had died and while they were celebrating, you know, a lot of things were still happening around them. But I feel like these two thrived in that situation because of their traumas. And I know, I feel like everything I'm going to say about this case goes back to their trauma, but that's literally what all true crime, I feel like most true crime comes back to is trauma. But these two thrived in survival mode because they both have been in survival mode in the past. But this time, it was a controlled environment. They were able to decide to stay there. And it wasn't something that was necessarily happening on to them. I mean, with my own traumas, I can kind of attest to that, that in certain survival situations, I just thrive. Like that's where I feel at ease sometimes because that's what I'm used to. Or, you know, that big moment when you are being traumatized, there's this feeling inside of you. It's almost like a buzz. And when you feel that buzz again, it like sadly kind of makes you feel alive. And that's what they're experiencing here. And not only that, they are building their own community. There is no structure anymore. You know, police have evacuated that area. There is no one to tell them what to do. There are no rules. Yet they are able to just thrive, be happy. They have their own community. They're trading resources with other people. This is their element. And even though they both had been in the real world before where they were working and money was really important and society was there and they weren't alone, I feel like it was harder for them to get back into that once they kind of hit this high of where they were during Katrina. And having to go back into that just brought up a lot of negativity and memories that they didn't want to have. So it wasn't possible for them to go back to normal. It was going to get a lot worse. Zach tried to include Addie in his kid's life, but Addie had no interest. She didn't want to take on Zach and his life. She only wanted Zach. Although their relationship was falling apart, they took one last big leap of faith together in order to save it. They rented an apartment together. This surprised their friends since they were sure the couple would be breaking up at any moment. And they should have. In the first few days of getting the apartment, Addie claimed that she caught Zach cheating on her. Friends later found out that Zach was seeing a man, but he never spoke of it and tried to hide his homosexuality. It's another reason as to why he was struggling with depression and had a hard time talking to anyone about it. Then, on October 4th, the day before her murder, Addie had enough and decided to take action. She went to their landlord to sign the lease without Zach so that she could legally kick him out. Addie told the landlord that she had caught Zach cheating on her, so she was going to kick him out. The landlord recommended that she try to work it out with Zach. That would be the last time anyone saw her alive. All of a sudden, Addie was gone, but Zach had also disappeared for three days after no one had heard from Addie. He eventually told friends that she had left him and moved back to North Carolina. None of her friends were shocked because this was something that she would do. Now back to the scene of police entering their apartment. Despite the warm October weather, the apartment was cold. The air conditioning set on 60. There was no foul odor. 
The walls were spray painted with haunting messages of regret and pain. Some read, please call my wife, I love her. He means his ex-wife. I'm a total failure. Please help me stop the pain. Look in the oven. That message directed them to the stove. There in a pot on one of the burners was a human head burned beyond recognition. In another pot were hands and feet. Inside the oven, in a large roasting pan, were arms and legs, also burnt. Investigators noticed that there appeared to be seasoning on the limbs, and on the counter next to the stove were cut-up potatoes and carrots. Inside the refrigerator, in a large plastic bag, they found the torso. On a desk, police found Addie's journal. Addie had wrote poetry in it, but there was an entry at the end from Zach. In the eight-page confession letter Zach wrote in Addie's journal, he described in graphic detail what happened next. I killed her at 1 a.m. Thursday, October 5th, he wrote. I very calmly strangled her. It was very quick. Now this next claim, I'm not sure if it's true or not because I've seen it in some articles and others have said that police denied that this was actually in writing. But after killing her, he sexually violated her corpse several times before passing out next to it. So that we're not sure if it's true or not. The next morning, he got up and went to work. When he returned, he moved Addie's corpse to the bathtub where he dismembered it using a hacksaw and a knife. Afterwards, he meticulously cleaned the bathroom. It took him four days to decide what to do with Addie's remains. During that time, he went on about his life as normal. Friends who met with him during the two weeks between the murder and his suicide said he seemed to be in good spirits. One of his friends, who was the last to see him, said that he was going on vacation and said his goodbyes. In his confession letter, he stated that he wanted to enjoy his last days on earth to the fullest, indulging in good food, good drugs, and good strippers. Apparently, he decided to cook Addie's remains only in order to make them easier to dispose of. He attempted to cook her arms and legs in the oven in order to separate the meat from the bone. So he didn't necessarily have an urge to cook her up and eat her, he was trying to find a way to dispose of her body. It also revealed his body was covered in cigarette burns. In his confession letter, he wrote that he burned himself once for each year he had been a failure. In his confession, he expressed a great deal of regret. He wrote, I scared myself not only by the action of calmly strangling the woman I've loved for one and a half years, but by my entire lack of remorse. I've known forever how horrible a person I am. Ask anyone. The security cameras at the Omni Royal Orleans captured Zach approaching the terrace and looking over it several times. Finally, he downed a final drink, then threw himself to his death and landed on the hotel's parking garage roof five stories down. There's a lot going on in this case, like it is as gruesome as Jeffrey Dahmer's case or Ed Gein where someone's body is being dismembered and then found all over the kitchen. And at the same time, these two people involved are such complex human beings and have been through so much in their life. I have no shame in saying that I also feel bad for Zach. Addie did not deserve this one bit. No matter what happened to her, no matter how she decided to protect herself or how she projected her anger onto the world, she did not deserve any of this. And Zach, you can tell 
that he was such a hurt person. And it hurts my heart to just read things about both of these people and see where they ended up. Now, because of how intense and gruesome this case is and the fact that it took place in one of the most haunted cities, there have been some wild theories to why Zach killed Addie. And for the record, this theory I'm about to talk about is super outlandish and imaginative. I mean, you know how people can be. They love to play on coincidences. And I only want to share this with you as they are a part of the whole conversation of this case and not because I believe this is a valid theory. Now, some people believe that this story is more than just a love story gone horribly wrong. Some believe that supernatural or even demonic forces were at play here. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. After all, Zach and Addie's apartment was located right above a voodoo shop. But the owner of the voodoo spiritual temple is well known and respected in the French Quarter. To those who don't practice and maybe have been influenced by movies, voodoo is seen as dark magic. Voodoo is simplified to a doll where you tape on your enemy's hair and stick pins in it to hurt them. Voodon, and hopefully I'm saying that correctly, teaches the belief in a supreme being called Bondi, an unknowable and uninvolved creator god. Voodon believers worship many spirits called Iowa, each of whom is responsible for a specific domain or part of life. So kind of almost like Greek gods where there's like the god of love and the god of war. Followers of Voodon also believe in a universal energy and a soul that can leave the body during dreams and spirit possession. In Christian theology, spiritual possession is usually considered to be an act of evil, either Satan or some demonic entity trying to enter an unwilling human vessel. In Voodon, possession by a god is desired. In a ceremony guided by a priest or priestess, this possession is considered a valuable first-hand spiritual experience and connection with the spirit world. I feel like a lot of us already kind of believe in what they believe in. I love how the supreme being Bondi is defined. It's an unknowable and uninvolved creator god because that feels just so true to what humanity and the world is. I mean, with everything that's going on in the world, it's a god or you know, a high being that is uninvolved and is allowing humanity to take its course. I feel like to me, that just rings so true. I also think it's beautiful that possession in this belief is seen as a good thing because they are being possessed by you know a god or a spirit that is deemed to be good and positive. I think a lot of us, including me, you know, we've seen possession as this like terrifying thing because that's what a lot of horror movies are based on. But I love how they have this other outlook, a more positive outlook into the spirit world and the human world connecting. 
I really do think this theory was way taken out of hand. People just saw the coincidences in this situation. They're like, ooh, they lived on top of a voodoo temple. Like, there must be some demonic energy seeping into them. But you really can't minimize this case to just demonic forces. There was a lot going on. And after all was said and done, their story lived on in New Orleans, and not in the best way. A lot of angry residents felt like the tragic case was exploited. New Orleans is a town known for its history, hauntings, and gruesome crimes, but the way this case was exploited was pretty insensitive. Less than a decade after the murder, a woman named Mary Voodoo Queen Millen leased the building on Rampart Street where Hall was murdered and set up shop as Bloody Mary Haunted Museum and Tour. For a fee, visitors are let into Zach and Addie's apartment to view the very stove and fridge where Addie's remains were found. Reports are that the apartment was decorated like a low-class horror film, complete with fake blood splashes and a bride and groom set of Chucky dolls. One friend of the couple called it despicable and atrociously exploitative. Millen defends her tours, saying it educates people about the crime. She says it'd be stupid to pretend the couple weren't there. Although she doesn't advertise it anymore, her tours still stop by the apartment upstairs. It seems like she's also gotten rid of the horror film antics, and the apartment is mostly bare except for the dolls she keeps up there. In 2017, the TLC series Paranormal Lockdown did an episode in the apartment. The investigators reported sensing a cold draft despite the windows being closed and a presence in the bathroom. So as a true crime and horror enthusiast like myself, I do have a lot of mixed feelings when it comes to things like this. I mean, there's a whole discussion about true crime being exploitative. And I really tend to focus on humanity and why humans are so interested in death and things like this and kind of just allowing us as humans to you know indulge in that a little bit especially because some of this is very educational but what i don't really appreciate about this especially that it is the apartment that this murder happened in is that they had fake blood splatters on the wall and the bride and groom set of Chucky dolls because it definitely just minimizes the whole situation to this horror story, um, which that's not the case at all. And yeah, when it comes to like the horror industry, I feel like a lot of people feel this necessity to vamp things up and make it more terrifying and things like that. But it seems like they have learned their lesson and they have taken those things down and now the apartment is mostly empty. And this reminds me of, you know, history and even like way back in the day where the interest in death was even less taboo and when someone was murdered, they will let people come in and see the crime scene for like a quarter. I mean, for centuries, people have been so intrigued by other humans and how certain things can happen. I think it might be a case of like it being too soon also because it happened so recently and a lot of the people involved or who know them are still in the area and so they have to see this every time they walk to work. 
It's also kind of like going to Europe and going on historic tours then. And they're like, this is where people got guillotined every other Saturday, you know? But that seems so much more normal and historic because it happened like thousands or not thousands, hundreds of years ago. But this happened 10 years ago and they're already setting up like this whole, whole tour and making a whole spectacle of it. But that's what I really have to say about that situation. The couple's friends were shocked when they heard the news. Though they said the couple had been unhappy for a while and they constantly argued, no one could have predicted such a gruesome ending for either of them. And even though there is such a gruesome ending, and I feel like any time there is a murder case that has dismembering or like cooking in it, obviously that's what a lot of people focus on. But I truly believe that this case is about mental health and PTSD because without those things, I don't think any of this would have happened. Zach's mother described him as a very sensitive person and for him to go into the military and see what he did, I feel like it really, really messed him up. And I think it's interesting because statistically, six out of a hundred people in the US will experience PTSD. For veterans, it's only a little bit above that, which is seven out of a hundred people will experience PTSD. These are statistics online. I'm not sure what is really correct because another research article I read said that 30% of veterans from Vietnam experience PTSD, 15% of veterans from Iraq experience PTSD. But I have to think that it is way, way more than the average civilian. But I think it really messed him up. And even at the end, he said that he was so scared that he didn't feel any remorse when it came to calmly strangling his girlfriend. And I just, I don't feel like it's necessarily that. Eventually, he killed himself over it, which means that deep down inside, he does feel that guilt. He does feel remorse. And I feel like what he's experiencing is what his experiences and PTSD have done to him. Like there's like there's two narratives going on in his head at the same time. One where he is a sensitive being and he doesn't want to be doing this and he doesn't want to be hurting people. And at the same time, another side of him is numbing every single thing he feels so that he doesn't have to be in this fight or flight mode all the time. He's burned himself for every single year that he was a failure. Again, I feel like that's something someone sensitive would really think about and feel like he is punishing himself for not being the best person for himself and for the people around him, especially because he has kids. And I can only imagine that after he killed Addie, he just did not know what to do and he festered and spiraled being in that apartment with the corpse of his girlfriend and you know, that's why he wrote those messages on the walls. I feel like his past and his life and his military experiences really fucked him over. And that he truly did love Addie and that he wanted a normal life, but he couldn't do that. And Addie, I mean, she's been through just as much as Zach. Her being a vulnerable girl and being molested and assaulted by a male adult. And you can tell that she just innately stands up for herself and will not take any shit. And so that characteristic of hers, along with what happened to her, 
you know, just created this hard shell person where she has to protect herself from any men and she will not allow anything to slip by. Zach apparently was very different from any other man that she's ever dated because everyone she's dated before was very abusive because that's what she had been through and so that's what she thought she deserved. And Zach was different, but they both just had such deep and dark histories to them. And for a little bit, it worked out because they understood each other, you know, they were on the same wavelength, but they both had very unresolved mental health issues. And all of those pieces of the puzzle put together created this perfect storm to get where we ended up. And I know that was like a super huge rant, but when I see cases like this, that's what I think about. Um, I think about the history, the psychology behind it, and how these are just two human beings who just wanted the best out of their life, wanted to make the most of their life. Um, and humanity and people in the past have really screwed them over. And so it makes me really sad. So to wrap this up, a friend said Addie was a good person. Zach was a good person. And they were both dealt really bad cards. Another friend said Zach was not a monster, but he desperately tried to make everyone remember him as one. God, that makes me so sad because you just know deep down in Zach's heart, he believed he was the worst person in the world. Ugh, that just kind of hits home a little bit, you know? So I watched a documentary called The Final Witness and they talked about this case and they interviewed their friends. And honestly, their friends were just such beautiful people because they were so honest and they were so real and I just felt like they understood the situation, you know? Outside looking in, it's really easy to say that Zach was this awful monster that just butchered up his girlfriend. But they knew him and they knew how complicated this whole situation was. Um, and so they were still at the end able to say that these were just two good people that were just had a really bad hand in life. And that is the case of Zach and Addie. Oh, I feel like this case almost makes me emotional because I, I have absolutely not gone through what they had to go through, but I really feel for them and I understand them and I empathize both of them, what they've been through. It's hard to go on in life just being a good human being and knowing what's good for you and the people around you. It is so difficult and that's something I really wish people understood more. Sorry, my voice is getting so high-pitched because I'm trying to keep myself from crying. I don't know what's happening. But yeah, I just, I just wish people understood how complicated the human brain is and how complicated humanity is. And it's so hard to just pinpoint the blame in some cases, you know. But I feel like both of them are at rest now. And that is all I will say because I feel like I can rant about this for like hours if someone was responding to me and I'm not talking to myself. And that is all for this episode. So I hope you enjoyed this episode or found it interesting or educative. If you did, make sure to follow and subscribe. All the episodes are free. And if you subscribe, you could be one of the first people to listen to the episode. Episodes drop every other week. And with spooky season upon us, we might be doing a little bit more paranormal cases. And with that, I will see you guys next time. Stay safe out there.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.